Welcome to Without the Footnotes with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Holocaust in Hungary. Hi friends and welcome to season three, episode four of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. This week we are back to um, the scheduled season, which is we're going around Europe and we're looking at the Holocaust in different countries. So this week it will be Hungary. Um, I hope everyone has had a really good week from last week. It is hotter than the sun in Berlin. This weekend has been crazy. It's been 30 something degrees since I can't even remember when mid last week. So I am not going to talk too much this week because all the windows and doors are closed. My fan is off and it's a sweat box in my apartment. So <laughs> less I melt onto the floor. Perhaps let's just crack on with this week's episode. Okay, so here we go. Let's see if I can do this before I turn into a puddle. So, as I've mentioned before, Hungary is known for having one of the fastest implementations of the final solution during World War II. But I didn't mention, what I didn't mention was that this actually came quite late compared to other countries, as Hungarian Jews were somewhat spared deportation up until the spring of 1944. And as we all know, the Germans surrendered in 1945, so a year later. So what happened? Hungary itself was an ally to Nazi Germany during the war, joining the Axis Alliance in November of 1940. And it didn't become an occupied country until the spring, as I've just said, until the spring of 1944. So any policies that were implemented before the Nazi occupation can be attributed to the Hungarian government at the time. So um, so when the Nazis came to power in Germany, Miklos Horthy, the head of the Hungarian government, built an alliance with Hitler which saw Hungary regain territory that had been lost after the First World War. And before the occupation, the Hungarian authorities had their own anti-Semitic policies in place, passing many anti-Semitic laws from the 1920s onwards. I'm not going to go into details of all the different laws because there's there's hundreds of them but I will focus on four significant ones which are as follows on the 29th of May the first Jewish law was passed so that's what they called it that's what it was known as the first Jewish law which limited the number of Jewish people that could work in different professions and within certain businesses to a maximum of 20% of the entire company. So this law echoes the persecution faced by Jews within Germany at the time. So whilst it wasn't forced on the Hungarian authorities to do this, um, yeah, these laws do echo what was going on in Nazi Germany. So then after this, a law was created in 1939 that forced all Jewish men of military age to join the Hungarian labour service where they would have to undertake hard labour or forced labour and many men suffered extremely brutal treatment when they went to um, do this work and this law was created as Jewish men were banned from serving in the Hungarian army during World War II so this was meant to be the alternative to that. And then following on from this in May of 1939, the second Jewish law was passed that explicitly identified Jewish people as a race. 
the criteria of which was that if you had two or more Jewish grandparents, you were then considered as racially Jewish. So up until this point, being Jewish had been understood as a religious orientation, not a racial identity. So many people, even though they may have not been practicing Jews, were now categorized as Jewish in the eyes of the law. You will have to forgive my voice a little bit this week. Hay fever is still hanging around, so I am a bit croaky, but I should carry on. Anyway, so yeah, the second Jewish law um, defined people as racially Jewish. And I think it's important to remember this when we are thinking or learning about the Holocaust, as there would have been many, many, many people across Europe who may have never identified with being Jewish at all or with the Jewish religion, um, that would have found themselves being singled out as such and therefore vulnerable to persecution because of the racial element, because being Jewish was racialized. So this law also put more restrictions on employment, specifically any employment that involved working with the government. And then finally, in August of 1941, the third Jewish law was passed, which forbade marriages between Jews and non-Jews. So with these laws, bearing in mind this is before the Nazi occupation, we can see how the Hungarian authorities were targeting the Jewish population and treating them differently than the rest of the Hungarian population, even though they were also Hungarian, um, at their own initiative. So in 1941, the Hungarian government deported non-Hungarian Jews from the countryside to the Ukraine, where they were then murdered by the Einsatzgruppen. And approximately 27,000 people were deported. So as I said, non-Hungarian Jews were deported and killed, making, uh, and killed, making this the... Um, it was the first five-figure mass murder of the Second World War. So despite all of this, the Hungarian government, even though it allied with Nazi Germany, did refuse refused at that time to deport Hungarian Jews specifically, but obviously didn't protect non-Hungarian Jews. So as it became more and more obvious that the war wasn't working in Germany's favour, Hungary actually tried to pull out of its alliance and... Um, Nazi Germany was having none of it and they swiftly invaded and occupied the country in March of 1944. So after the occupation, Miklos Horthy helped appoint a new government who were particularly submissive to what was being demanded of them by Nazi Germany. And this was when this is when we see the persecution of the Hungarian Jews take an absolutely awful turn as Adolf Eichmann arrives and he's um he arrives there in March and he's there to oversee the implementation of the final solution and this is to be imposed on approximately 800,000 people who were living in Hungary at the time so a tremendous amount of people so pretty much immediately Jews had to open openly wear a yellow star of David on their clothes so that they could be identified at all times movement was was restricted Phones and radios were confiscated and properties and businesses were seized. In April of 1944, Jews were forced into ghettos, which were sectioned off areas of the city or town, usually far, far too small to accommodate the amount of people expected to live there, which they were not then allowed to leave. So how this aided the final solution was it congregated um, Jewish people in one specific place. So it made deportation easier to do. 
Um, in Budapest, the Yellow Star house system was established instead of a ghetto where 2,000 properties within the city were used to house 220,000 people. So if we think about that and then we can, we can think of the conditions that these people must have lived in. 2,000 properties, 220,000 people. And if you go to yellowstarhouses.org, there is an interactive map there where you can click on each house and find out the history of what happened. So someone's traced it all and put all the information together. And there's, um, yeah, if you're particularly interested in testimony or personal stories, I'd highly recommend that you go there and take a look um, because it, it has that element too. And it also is quite incredible to see a visual of what that looked like as I know many people have been to Budapest and perhaps don't really know um, much about the history of the Holocaust there but um, it's highly likely or it could be likely because actually the Jewish quarter is a very popular area of Budapest when you go and visit um, it's highly likely that you've stayed in one of these buildings so this history is much closer to us than we think we just might not be as aware of it so yeah that's a great map to take a look at and um yeah kind of interact with and read some stories of the people that and what they went through and yeah just humanize it a bit I think so back to it anyway that's um yellowstarhouses.org um so in order to deport so it was 800,000 people so in order to deport such a large population to their death whilst losing a war Eichmann relied on the collaboration from the Arrow Cross which was the party that controlled the government in Hungary so the one that replaced the previous one so without them the deportations would not have been nearly as swift or as brutal as they were they established around 200 camps and ghettos within two months and in just 56 days, between May and July of 1944, they de- deported 437,402 people, the majority of which were sent to Auschwitz, where most of them were gassed on arrival. There was no... Um, it's it's strange. It's not strange. It, it was policy. But with the Hungarian Jews, like they just had no... Basically no interest in... Um, taking or using any of the people for forced labor so a lot of the Hungarian Jews just arrived and regardless of whether they were healthy enough to work or that or young enough or, or whatever they were just sent to the gas chambers and it is likely that if you've seen pictures or or footage of people on the ramps at Auschwitz or walking to or waiting for the gas chambers that the people you're seeing in the pictures are in fact Hungarian Jews because I think it's also because it's such a swift um, deportation, uh, I think it's also very well documented um, what they did. So of the 800,000 Jews that were living in Hungary prior to the occupation, some 63,000 had been killed by the Hungarian authorities. And by April of 1945, approximately 568,000 people had been murdered. So Hungary for me is a crazy example of how the final solution was perpetrated regardless of what was happening in the war and it's also an example of how systematic the genocide had become as the Nazis were able to occupy and execute their plan within a couple of months. So perhaps this is because this happened so late in the war and they'd had a lot of practice 
by this point, but I find it absolutely terrifying that almost half a million people were deported and murdered in a matter of weeks. And it's absolutely heartbreaking as to what that means for the Hungarian Jewish community today in terms of what were, what was lost. Um, because it was so swift from one minute to the next, everybody's there and then everybody's gone. And I mean, just imagine what people must have gone through having been protected for so long up until spring of 1944 and they they would have been aware that their government would have been allies with Nazi Germany um this kind of myth that goes around that people had no idea and they didn't know what was going on I mean by this point in the war by 1944 things would have been getting back to 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 people would have been communicate communicated um throughout Europe of kind of what was going on so you know, you have to, I think it's important to understand that people would have heard of what was happening in other countries and then Jewish communities like disappearing somewhat or being deported. And then when it happens to them, it's um, it's not as if they just didn't know, they wouldn't have known anything. So it's absolutely awful. Um, yeah, and... I don't know. For some reason, Hungary for me always humanizes the numbers, and I don't know why. I can't really explain it. Maybe it's because it ha it happens so late in the war. It's well documented. It's very quick. Um, yeah. Anyway, that is the Holocaust in Hungary in a nutshell. Um, I'm able to explain it so quickly, I guess, because it happened so quickly. Um, I do have. A recommendation for you um if you are quite brave and you're interested in film um to do with the holocaust son of soul um is a film about a hungarian man forced to work in the Sonderkommando, so the the unit that had to um basically man the gas chambers and like you know get people get people to go in and then clear it up when when the gassing was over so um this film focuses on one man's experience of this and it's particularly with the Hungarian deportations that come in and he thinks that he sees his son in one of the one of the groups of people that comes in and it's not an easy watch by any stretch it is all from his point of view and as I said he's working in the gas chambers in Auschwitz so you can imagine how hellish that is and um but I would recommend it if you want to kind of uh, if you want to, if you're interested in artistic de depictions, kind of humanizing the reality of genocide, I guess. Uh, so that's for those kinds of people. Um, yeah, and it's just like the reality of destruction. Um, but it's, it's not, I mean, I'm making it sound, it is, I mean, for me, it's it was very emotional, kind of awful, but... It's not, it's done in such a way that you're, it's not just pure, it's not like a horror film. Everything's kind of going on in the background, but you are seeing everything from his point of view. So anyway, watch the trailer, see what you think. And also, as I said earlier, go to yellowstarhouses.org if you're interested in Budapest and reading personal stories about how the Holocaust unfolded there. But, um, yeah, with that all being said, I think that's pretty much it for this week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Um, 
Yeah, that helps me tremendously. Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. It's so hot in my apartment. Um, Please rate, review and subscribe. Share the podcast with friends, anybody you think might be interested. Feel free to reach out to me at info at withoutthefootnotes.org and or on Instagram at withoutthefootnotes. And I will be back next week. Hopefully it's probably at least like five degrees cooler, which would be perfect summertime, I guess. Um, And I'll be back next week with a different country. So I will catch you next time. Ciao.